This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. He's coming to us live from the Gratitude Viral Epicenter of the Universe. He's also the author of a book called Leading with Gratitude. He's an executive coach. He is an awesome human being. You are in for a treat today. Chester Elton, welcome to the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Well, Mark, what a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you know... I think in our day and age, we don't spend enough time talking about gratitude. And we look at the pandemic, we look at COVID, we look at the election what went on and all the stuff going on, and people are forgetting the essential, uh, the essentialism of being grateful. We woke up to morning, this morning. If you are listening to this podcast, you can hear. If you are able to type, you probably are on the internet. So we have so much to be thankful for, to be grateful for. And I think people are just not taking the time to be grateful. You know, I agree. I think, you know, we get caught up in everything that's in our face, the, the hard year, the hard times. And we forget that 99% of the world would trade places with us in a heartbeat. You know, I, uh, I have started a morning ritual, Mark, and I challenge our listeners to do it as well, is that as soon as my feet hit the floor, I say three things to myself, to be kind, to be grateful, and to be of service. Because I think when you're in a state of gratitude, it's hard to be in a state of anxiety at the same time. In fact, I, I know it's, it's impossible. I also think that when we are of service to each other, that that helps bring us out of you know, the stress, the anxiety, the negativity that we may experience or have waiting for us. Does that make sense? It does. And one of the things I think is a big problem, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this, is the news. The mainstream media news is all about fear mongering. They love COVID. They love hurricanes. They love earthquakes. They love, you know, crashes. That's what they make their money on. So if COVID went away tomorrow, they're not going to really report it because they're going on to the next tragic. And I think or next strategy, I mean, I think because people are so consumed with the news that that is fa uh, affecting their mental uh, ability to be grateful. Am I off track or am I on track on there? I, I agree with you. Look, um, you know, uh, many studies have been done about your newsfeed and 90% of your newsfeed is negative. I mean, overwhelmingly negative, only 10%. And so you've got to create that positivity for yourself. You know, I, I love the term doom scrolling. You know, we wake up in the morning because our phone wakes us up with the alarm and then we immediately go to the newsfeed. Don't do that. It's never going to cheer you up. I always tell people, I say, look, if you're even remotely suicidal, stay away from the newsfeed. It will not mm. help you. And so you've got to create those uh, communities. You've got to create traditions or triggers, you know, that will pull you out of it. You know, I literally have a list of 10 things I try to get done before my day starts. And they're simple things, you know, have a good breakfast, you know, say my prayers, read something positive, meditate, stretch, write in my journal, simple things like that. And I'll tell you that when I wake up in one of those doom and gloom moods, if I can get through those 10 things, I feel so much better. So I agree with you. You've got to create your own newsfeed to pull yourself out. And I love that how you said that you read something positive. Now, you're not talking about memes on Instagram. What I <laughs> what I personally do is the first thing I do is I read the Bible. I read the Bible every day, every year, cover to cover is what I do. And this year I'm reading Oswald Chambers devotional. So I very intentionally start my day reading things that are going to edify me, that are going to uplift me. I don't check the news. I don't, I very rarely check the news. I don't check in in social media. I don't check in 
my email until about after 60 minutes. I want to start my mornings very intentional. Like you said, positively. Why would I want to go into my email inbox and see all these urgent emails or go into social media and find out all the stuff that happened last night? That's You just woke up from a good night's sleep. Why do you want to dive into that mess first thing in the morning? Exactly right. You know, I, I love the fact that you read your scriptures. I'm doing the same thing. In fact, I'm going back. You know, our family, we grew up in the Christian tradition, and Christmas is a great time of year to accentuate the positive. And I love reading the, the story of the birth of the Christ child. It's a very positive way to start the day. I'm also reading, by the way, a wonderful book, Think Like a Monk. I've got a lot yes. of friends that are Buddhists, and, you know, that that meditation practice is wonderful. You know, I think it's really important to open yourself up to a lot of other traditions as well. There's a lot of positivity in a lot of places. So open yourself up to new and other positive triggers and traditions. It can only help. You know, one thing I got out of Think Like a Monk, fantastic book, everyone should read it, is I was going about meditation all wrong. I had the Breathe app on my Apple Watch was going off and I was trying to do breathing for a minute. And Jay in his book says, look it, I've been a monk for 13 years and it still takes me 15 minutes to get my mind to calm down. So I'm looking at my Apple Watch Breathe app. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) If it takes him 15 minutes to get his mind to quiet down, uh, what's that saying about my one or two minute meditation? So what I started doing, cause he also talks about in the book about meditation is not just sitting in the Lotus position going, um, uh, when you're showering, that could be a form of meditation because you can't do anything else when you're out for a walk or you're out for a run, you can be meditating. Cause I, after I read his book, when I start going out for runs, I don't bring the AirPods. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't listen to music. I just listen to nature and uh, Elton, uh, I'm sorry, Chester. Did you know that birds chirp? It's amazing. <laughs> You'll never hear that if you get your AirPods in, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It is a wonderful concept that to be in the moment. You know, we are surrounded by a lot of noise, and and I was as guilty as this of this as anyone. You know, I would go down to fix a meal and I'd turn on sports radio, or I'd turn on news, or I'd turn on a podcast. I think I should be using this time. Uh, to stimulate my mind. And at the same time, I've learned, you know, it's, there's time for quiet. There's time for just be still, you know, and it's really interesting. One of the things I loved about uh, what Jay Shetty taught it in in his book, uh, I wish we'd put more of it in our uh, leading with gratitude book. So buy Jay's book and then buy our book too. Uh, (laughs) is, is, Is this idea of find a place where you have been that brings you joy. And go mm. back to that place and, and, you know, engage your five senses. You know, what are you seeing? What are you feeling or, you know, touching? What are you, what are you hearing? What are you smelling? What are you tasting? And it's really interesting that I, I chose, we have a, a humble little place up in the Adirondacks on a little lake. And like the Adirondacks, we've got a dock and there's two Adirondack chairs at the end of the dock. And for me, that's one of my sacred places. I can go there and sit. And to your point, I can listen to the wind and the leaves. I can listen to the call of the loons. I can listen to, you know, to the lapping of the water, uh, to the dock. And, you know, the thing I love about meditation is I don't have to be physically there to be there. Mm-hmm. I can go there. And you can do this with, you know, success you've had at work or people that you enjoy being with and take that time to just calm your mind and express those simple things of gratitude. You know, I I picked up a great quote from Russell M. Nelson. He said, counting our blessings 
is far better than recounting our problems. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a wonderful best practice. Let's count our blessings. Again, 99% of the world, Mark, would change places with you and I in a heartbeat. We are, even in our worst times, we are way ahead of the game. I agree. And if you're a believer, as you and I are, you know, God still speaks to us in a still small voice. So if you constantly have stuff going in your ears through social media, through music, through TV, through video games, you won't hear him because he doesn't yell at you. He speaks to you in a soft voice. And I think when I started going for walks and runs without, you know, headphones, not only did I hear the birds and the wind, I realized that, you know what, my mind settles down and I, I actually enjoy my runs more now when I don't have anything going on. It's not so much I'm meditating. It's just that my mind's going, okay, we don't have to think about anything. As long as he's staying upright and one foot's going in front of the other, we're good. <laughs> and I wake, I come back from my run. I'm so energized. Yeah. You know, my wife is a great example of this. She finds beauty everywhere we are. You know, just this morning I was uh, fixing up a, uh, protein shake for breakfast. And uh, she said, look at that. And there was a beautiful red cardinal on our mailbox. And we just sat there for a minute and just watched him. Tried to snap a couple of photos. Didn't work out all that well. The point, <laughs> the point is, is I love that she sees beauty in, in the moss on the trees, on the bird on the mailbox, on the clouds in the sky. You know, it, it, it's just such a gift that I married such a, a wonderfully engaged woman who sees beauty everywhere we go. And, and that's a form of meditation. And that's a form of gratitude that, that I enjoy so much. There is a book written by an Australian nurse. I can't remember her name. The book was about the five regrets of the dying. And not one of those five regrets were, I wish I listened to another podcast. I wish I went to another meeting. <laughs> they were all about spending time with loved ones and being more present. That's about the paraphrase of the five regrets. And, and to your point, I think we need to wake up in the morning and, you know, whether you're believing or not, just be thankful you woke up that, you know, wherever you live in the world, you know, you woke up this morning. Now you may be in the desert. You may be in South Africa. You may be in Australia. You may be in America. You may be in Paris. doesn't matter. Maybe locked down. You may be free. It doesn't matter. You are, you woke up today. And if you can see, be thankful. And when, when I tell people to practice gratitude, they're like, what do I have to be thankful for? Well, you're talking to me right now. So it means your brain's working. Your vocal cords are working. I mean, you can see me if we're on zoom or in person, if people will take the time and like you talk about leading with gratitude and just count your blessings, you would, you could never list all the things you're grateful for before you die. There is just that much you can be thankful for. You know, I agree a hundred percent. And you know, our, our work, and I always say our, I've got a wonderful partner, Adrian Gostick. We wanted to take that and translate it into the workplace. And for a very simple reason, we spend more time at work than we do anywhere else. Right. And, and now that we're working remotely, we actually spend more time at work than we did when we were physically traveling there. And it's unfortunate that there are so many workplaces where leaders don't lead with gratitude. You know, they think it is a sign of weakness that if I express a lot of gratitude, if I appreciate the people around me, that they'll take advantage of me, that I'll be perceived as soft. So one of the things we did right away in the book, Mark, is we said, let's dispel those myths. And one of the most common is fear is the best motivator. 
I'll put the fear of God in them, you know, and I will admit, look, you know, fear for short term can work real well. If the building's on fire, yes, I want people to be afraid. I want them to jump up and run for the doors. Will you please get out of your chair and get out of the office? We're kind of burning down right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The point is, is that it's very short term and not sustainable. Right. You can you can do that for a very short period of time. If you want to build a great culture that's innovative, that attracts and retains good people, you, you can't be leading with fear. And in fact, it is not the best motivator long term. Another one is I don't have enough time. We're doing hard things. And you and I both know that simple expressions of gratitude can be done in, in, in a matter of seconds, at the most minutes, texting people, writing mm-hmm. a short handwritten note calling somebody up in a group Zoom call, calling someone out. I mean, simple little practices, traditions and triggers that we like to call them that can very quickly and very easily create great cultures. Now, after we dispelled the myths, we said, so what are the best practices? And we said, you know what? You've got to see what's going on before you can express it in a meaningful way. In other words, are you walking in people's shoes? You know, do you know what the expectations are? Are you acting and and soliciting input from the people around you? The one that I love is, are you assuming positive intent? And the reason I love this so much is so often in the crush of business and wanting to speed up getting things done, we assume negative intent. Something goes wrong and we vilify the messenger. We demonize, you know, how could you do this to me? You know, you are the problem. Instead of there is a problem, let's solve the problem. You are not the problem, right? And and so that became very, very important. And then secondly, once you know that, how do you express it in a way that's meaningful? You know, old school, Mark, was we, we treat everybody the same. That's fair. Well, that's silly. We're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, some people want time off. Some people want a, a new assignment. Some people want extra hours. Some people, you know, want um, money. Some people just want one-on-one. Do you know your people well enough? And, and and I love as we went through and talked to some of the great leaders of our time, you know, Alan Mulally that saved the Ford Motor Company, Ken Chenault, who took American Express to, to great heights, um, Hubert Jolie, who took, you know, Best Buy from a billion dollar deficit to a billion dollar surplus. These were all leaders in Diranoi, you know, the past CEO of Pepsi, uh, what she did and they did, not only did they lead with gratitude to extraordinary results. They were also very demanding of their people. They held themselves and their people accountable to high standards. And lastly, because I've talked too much already, Mark, is that is that they all took it home. And isn't mm. that isn't that enriching to know that they didn't leave their best selves at work? They took these gratitude practices and they practiced them with their families, with their friends, and in their communities. Got overwhelm? Then you need to get my free guide, 10 Quick Ways to Conquer Overwhelm. This free guide will help you quickly deal with overwhelm so you can get back to making the impact you've dreamed of. Get your copy for free at overwhelmsucks.com. You know, when you mentioned about vilifying the messenger, I remember I'm a big um, student of World War II that you go back to Adolf Hitler and the messengers knew the only told Hitler good news. They, if something was going wrong on one of the fronts, the, you didn't go back and tell him because he would kill you. And so he would vil- literally, <laughs> I don't know, vilify goes to new extreme, but you don't want to do that for people. Okay. You want to be able to go to people, whether you're a leader, whether you're a parent, it doesn't matter and say, listen, you know, this is the facts. 
and be grateful that that person told you the truth. A lot of people, they'll tell you the good news. They won't tell you the bad news. And that's that that's not serving anyone, whether you're a leader or a homemaker. It doesn't matter. It's not serving the end, end result. Exactly. You know, one of my favorite CEOs uh, right now is a, is a guy named uh, Gary Ridge. He's the CEO of WD-40. And you think that, you know, it, it's it's a lubricant, right? I mean, how exciting can WD-40 be? And, 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 and in his culture, he says, you know, we don't just create a lubricant. Uh, we do create a product that makes the world you know, move a little more smoothly. He says, we, we create, we create moments. We create memories for our people. And he related a wonderful story that a guy had sent into him about his product. He said, you know, with COVID, we decided we wanted to do more cycling. So I told my daughter, I said, you know, let's grab your bike. Let's get it ready to run. And she, he said, you know what? We need to, we need to put some oil on your, on your bike chain. If we don't, it's going to break. So let's go down to the hardware stores. You know, they were still open as an essential service. So we bought some WD-40. He says, I came home and I said, honey, what, what, what are we doing here? She says, we're just running an errand. He said, no, honey, you know what we're doing? We're creating a memory. Now mm. smell this. And he put the WD-40 on a rag and it's got a very distinctive smell, as you know. Yep. He said, you know, every time you smell this WD-40, you'll remember the day that you and your dad fixed your bike. And I thought, isn't that wonderful? Now, in his culture, he says, we don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. Mm. Think about that. We don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. It's easy to admit a mistake because it's what you want to find out is, what did we learn? How are we going to take it forward? How are we going to innovate so that this doesn't happen again? Do you know in his culture, he has a 98% engagement score? Wow. Unbelievable. That's amazing. That is so rare. That is rare air right there. It is. And see, here's the, here's the point. When you create a safe place to innovate, when you know that the people in and around you, you know, will protect you, care about you, are invested in you. When you make a mistake, that's not a problem. The problem is just solving the problem, mm. right, and moving forward. Do you know Alan Mulally, when he took over at the Ford Motor Company in the last recession, when he took over, they were at 20% engagement, 20%. Think wow. about that. Eight out of 10 people are showing up to work really not caring all that much, right? When he left, you know, 12, 14 years later, it was at 91%. Wow. Now, we're talking automotive industry, unions, you know, dealers. I mean, you know, listen, if he can do it there, you can do it. Trust me, you can do it anywhere. Wow. That's amazing. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Chester. Have you always led with gratitude or can you remember a time maybe many, many, many years ago that you really didn't lead with, lead with gratitude? Oh, sure. You know, I fell into all the usual traps as, you know, a, a leader climbing up the ranks that I wanted to be the smartest person in the room. And my ideas were the best ideas. And, mm. and look at me, look at me. You know, it took a while. And, and I wish, you know, uh, Adrian and I both do a lot of executive coaching now. And I really wish that I'd had a coach as a mid-level manager. You know, we, we, we spend all this time and money on the executives. Well, yeah, I think that's really important. The guy at the top, the woman at the top, they're important. You know, I believe leadership is contagious, right? The way you act gives everyone else permission to act the same way. The thing is, the middle managers is where everything gets translated. 
And I really wish that we were investing more money in mid-level managers like I was that said, by the way, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. In fact, you're rarely going to be the smartest person. In the room, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, get your people engaged, be grateful for their ideas, for their time, for their efforts. That's where the magic happens. You know, rarely is it the CEO that comes up with the great ideas. The job of the CEO or the president is to facilitate and create yeah. a culture of innovation and great ideas. Makes sense, doesn't it? It does. Now, while we, while you brought up uh, the subject of coaching, I want to ask you this question because I get asked by a lot of people, you know, why do I need a coach? And, and as I, I haven't been a coach as long as you have, but I think there's two camps. There's the people that go, I don't need a coach. And there's the people that said coaching is critical. And if you look at their income, the people who say they don't need a coach, don't make a lot of money. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They're not happy. The people who do invest in coaches tend to do well and they tend to be happier. And people ask me, well, why do I need a coach? I say, cause you can't see all your blind spots. And not only that, but if you can see them, you may just like ignore them. Ah, it's not that important. When you have a coach, you use the word already accountability. It holds you accountable. A good coach will help you move forward. So give us your thoughts in a couple minutes on why coaching is so important, whether you're an executive or if you're, you know, you're just an entrepreneur, how important it is. Well, I, you know, I think you expressed it really well. I, my entry to that is, you know, as I talk to executives, I'll say, you know, you're really talented. You're really moving up. Uh, do you want to be world-class? Absolutely. I want to be world-class. I say, great. Are you a sports fan? said, yeah, what's your favorite sport? Oh, golf. I love golf. I said, great. Who's your favorite golfer? Oh, Tiger Woods. Love Tiger. It's great. Has Tiger got a coach? And they go, uh, yeah. I say, how, how many coaches do you think he's got? Well, he's probably got a strength coach. He's got a swing coach. You know, he's got a nutrition coach. He's probably even got a, you know, a, a mental acuity coach. I go, that's right. Tiger Woods, one of the great golfers of our generation. Guy's got at least four coaches. How many you got? Uh, <laughs> said, and yet you want to be world-class. You want to be the tiger woods of your industry. You need a coach. That's go, brilliant. Okay, that great. You know, let's, let's go. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me when I first invested in my first Tony Robbins result coach, I didn't Tony Robbins, he's a million dollars an hour. I couldn't afford him, but I did one of his, uh, you know, his, uh, results coaches. And I asked the coach, I said, you know, I want to get to a level when, you know, I could be like Tony Robbins, don't need a coach. And my coach said, uh, uh, do you think Tony doesn't have coaches to your point? I, I said, uh, maybe one. He goes, he's got seven coaches. I'm like, how does Tony, the coach, he's, he's at his highest level. And what you just said, how do you think he got there? By having coaches. And so when people tell me I don't need a coach, I'm like, well, then you must want to be settling with mediocrity for the rest of your life because you'll never achieve your ultimate dreams unless you're like by some miracle, which is very rare without a coach because you need someone to come along to guide you. And here's the thing. You're going to have one coach for this season for doing this particular thing. Like I'm a productivity coach. I'm not a weight loss coach. I'm not a fitness and nutrition coach. I help people be productive. Okay. I don't, that's what I do. So you have different coaches, just like when you go, Oh my goodness, you go down the cereal aisle. There's like a billion different cereals. Well, what kind of cereal do you want? Or what kind of meat do you want? Or what kind of yogurt do you want? There's different flavors. So every coach has got a different specialty. That's why when I, I cringe, when people say, Oh, I can coach you on anything. Now, no, no, you can't. Okay. Pick an area like you're on gratitude and executive coach and that stuff. But Am I off base on that or am I right on target? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's really interesting. I think a lot of up and coming executives and even, you know, entrepreneurs that are making a lot of money and feel like they've really arrived, 
they look at uh, uh, having a coach as a weakness. Mm. If you need a coach, it's like, it's like you need a therapist. Like, you know, that's, that's a sign of weakness. It's not, it's actually a sign of humility. You know, it, you, are you coachable? Are you, do you want to learn? Do you want to grow? Do you want to develop? You know, you need a teacher. You know, I think oftentimes we should position ourselves not uh, just as coaches. We position ourselves as teachers. What do you want to learn? You know, how do you want to get better? What do you want to learn? I want to learn to relate to people better. I want to learn to be more productive. I want to learn to be more collaborative. I want to learn to be, and to your point, that may be three different people. Yeah. You know, Tiger Woods doesn't go to a strength coach and says, what do you, what do you think of my swing? <laughs> you know, the strength coaches hit it harder, you know. Uh, so to, to your point, you know, identify the areas where you want to grow and develop and go find a teacher, go find a coach, go find, go surround yourself, find a community where you can get ideas, where you can be coached up. And, you know, learning more, is, is that ever a bad thing? No. No, no, it's not. And one of the things I always tell people is because you you brought up the sports analogy a few minutes ago is what do people do? What do the players do when they go back to camp for the turning camp opens up? They go back to the basics. And I always tell people complexity is a gateway to procrastination. Okay, so you got to keep going back to the basics, whether it's productivity, being grateful, being service to others, being kind, you know, you don't always need the, the advanced courses in how to do these things. I think people m- are missing something by going back to the basics. I don't care what you need to go back to the basics on. I think going back to the basics is not a weakness, but I think it's a strength. What do you think? Well, I mean, your example earlier in the podcast, you, you read the Bible cover to cover every year. Why? Does the ending change? (laughs) (laughs) So all of a sudden, you know what? It's amazing. They didn't crucify him this time. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Who else knows about this? You know, so it's, it's, it is back to the basics. And, you know, we uh, are are very much in that camp. Make things simple. You know, I I challenge executives, I coach, I say, look, you want to lead with gratitude. I'm going to challenge you to perform a simple random act of kindness every day. Just a random act of kindness. I'm going to challenge you to text somebody that you know and love once a day. A text. It's going to take you, oh, I don't know, 30 seconds maybe to, to think of somebody that comes into your head. Say, you know what? I haven't, I haven't been in contact with them for a while. I'm just going to drop my note and say, you know what? I was thinking about you today. I want to let you know how much I love and appreciate you. That I'm just glad you're in my life. Know that the, the apostle of appreciation is cheering for you today. And just bring a smile to somebody's life. I'll tell you. Uh, we wrote a book called All In about culture, and it was wonderful. We interviewed a, a manager of the Avis Budget Rental Car Company in Dallas, Texas, Carlos Aguilera. And Carlos has this wonderful practice. He puts 10 pennies in his left pocket every day, and he sets a goal to have 10 positive interactions with his people every day. And the way he keeps track is he moves a penny from his left pocket to his right pocket. Oh, wow. Said, he says, you know what? If I get to noon and I've got eight pennies in my left pocket, I'm not doing my job. Talk about keeping it simple. Hmm. Ten pennies. And he's I wonder, beloved. I wonder how many young listeners of this podcast going, what's a penny? <laughs> <laughs> Go Google it. Uh, and, you know, I love the random act of kindness because one of the things I've been doing with people who connect with me on LinkedIn, I know you're really big on LinkedIn, is I send them a voice message. And I got I sent a voice message to a lady last week. Yesterday, she sent me a message and she goes, you're the first person to ever sent me a voice message. I want to thank you so much. It made the difference because she gets all those DMs. And so 
I just said, Hey, I, I don't pitch when I send a, a DM one for a new connection. I say, Hey, I want to thank you for connecting with me. I hope you're having a great day. Really simple. It's like 10 seconds long, but it's simple. Like you said, it's very simple. We don't have to go into the complex things. Just keep things simple because if it's simple, you're more likely going to do it. Absolutely. You're right. We, we, we get all caught up in the complexities. You know, I, I challenge people. I said, look, when was the last time you wrote a letter? And like you say, for, for a lot of my kids, I have to say, look, here's where the stamp goes. <laughs> this is called an envelope. And, and I know this is really old school, and yet it is so impactful. Yes. You know, let's face it. Your, your mail is not that interesting these days. Yep. You know, it's catalogs. It's bills if you're not paying online. You know, to get a note. And I, I, like I love holiday cards. I love wedding announcements, you know. And I love it when there's something in the mail that, that just – you know, one of these things is not like the other. And it's a little random note from a friend of mine that just says, hey, really appreciated that phone call. We're just thinking about you. I was remembering when we were, last time we were able to get together in Vancouver, you know, where I grew up. I just want to let you know how much you mean to me. Well, you want to make somebody's day? Write them a little handwritten note. Write them a letter. My, my brother Tanner wrote me a letter the other day. He said, Chess, you know, I, I saw this video you did, and it just reminded me how proud I am of you and the work you do. You know, I've had a really tough year. And those little notes of kindness and those little texts and those little phone calls, you have no idea how much it meant to me. Thanks wow. for being my brother. I love you, Tanner. Are you kidding? I'm like, it's all right. I love you too, you know? And come on, how simple is that? I guarantee you that. You know, pulling out the paper, finding the envelope, putting a stamp on it. If it took him five minutes, you know, it, it took him a minute. Wow. So simple little things you can do. People, especially now, especially now, Mark, they want to be remembered. Yes. We're working from home. It's so easy to feel like you've been forgotten. And you know what? There's nothing worse than feeling ignored and irrelevant. 100%. Well, this has been an incredible conversation. I want to thank you for being on the show. I know you're really big on LinkedIn. Where else can we go to find out more about you? And I'm sure we can go to any bookstore to get your book. Absolutely. We, we have audiobooks, digital books, uh, all of it there. You can go to chesterelton.com and you can find out all about me there. We have a wonderful training company as well, thecultureworks.com. I encourage you to go to both places. Lots of great information. And like you said, on LinkedIn, we've got a wonderful gratitude journal newsletter that we publish every month. We'd love you to subscribe to that. Excellent. Chester, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was a delight having you on. Anytime, Mark. Take care. Be safe. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Mark Struchowski podcast. Before you go, it would mean the world to me, and I mean the world, if you would do me a quick favor. Share this episode with one person you know that needs to hear it. Because life tends to get in the way, do it right now. I'm on a mission to help as many people as I can, and you sharing this episode with someone would help me on that mission. Thanks again for listening, and I'll talk to you again real soon.